Welcome, welcome to Mozzie and the Muscle, our show about all things football and, well, maybe just a few things outside of that. We are not reporters, we are not journalists, but damn it, we do love to talk about it. Welcome into Mozzie and the Muscle. I'm the Muscle, joined by my co-host who objectively appreciates attractive head coaches, Mozzie. <laughs> uh, how's it going? I am doing well. I'm adjusting to some different hours. I finally got enough sleep to not feel like a total zombie during the day. It was it was it was great. I got a lot of sleep, and I feel a little bit zombie-ish, but. Like, sort of, in a relaxed way, not like in a, uh, kind of way. Like yeah, a hangover. There's, there's definitely a zone of, like, too little, but also too much sleep where you do feel like a zombie. Yeah, I got too much sleep. <laughs> that happens when you're, like, sick, kind of, too. It's like, you get so much sleep that, even though it's good for you, you still just feel like, I should sleep more. Yeah. Or your body's like, you're not sleeping, what's wrong? You're so used to sleeping. <laughs> Yeah, it's been uh the weather's been changing a lot here. It went down into the 40s and today it is in the 70s. So uh Oh, that'll that mess happens. with the immune system a little bit. <laughs> that the temperature changes uh are the bane of my existence like that. But something we got to live with in the Midwest. Um but yeah, my uh my friends sent me a, a beautiful thread of the most attractive head coaches and when I first saw it, all I saw was Lovey Smith, uh, Stefanski, somebody else, and Sirianni. And I was just like, yo, what the fuck? You're going to put Sirianni on there and not Sala? Yeah, some, <laughs> like some, I got some a- of them were a little little uh, off on the rankings. But I, I think perspective matters a lot. Like, gay man versus straight woman versus straight man. Like, there's going to be a lot of different perspectives on how, how they should be ranked. Which is really fascinating. It's like what we perceive as attractive is different from what, you know, the gay community perceives as attractive, which is different from what the straight female community perceives as attractive. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. We were kind of parsing through the different variations. So I'm, I'm awaiting an official ranking from Artie uh, on Perfect. this matter because I need, you know, the hard facts here. <laughs> Was it was hard and intentional? Uh, agita- <laughs> maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Uh, yeah, because I thought I thought eight for Stefanski was was too low. Mm-hmm. But as as the thread pointed out, some of his features are pretty sharp. So if you want like softer features, he might not be your cup of tea. And then like Lovey, okay, non bearded Lovey, fine. But bearded Lovey deserves to be higher than twenty two. And I oh, think yeah. those two are definitely ones that like. From like a an objective straight male perspective, or like, oh, this guy's got sharp features, or this guy has a great beard, like he should be higher. But that might just be, you know, what we objectively appreciate. <laughs> and then like Dan, I'm like, Dan just looks very straight. Like <laughs> everything about him is like too straight. So I'm like, I can I can see like you know, a gay man ranking having him like you know middle of the pack versus like, I, I would imagine like you know. I guess we would have to find some rankings from a straight woman on the coach attractiveness ratings, but there was definitely a uh, you know 
a, a kill fuck Mary aspect to it. And I feel like <laughs> Dan Campbell didn't hit the Mary aspect because of his uh, visible straightness, as you would refer to it as. Oh, man, he is fucking Jack, though. He is. Um, he was definitely on, like, the hot. Just not like the, oh, this guy would, you know, be a good husband kind of thing. Yeah, but I think I, he'd be a great husband. He would be a very uh it would it would be hard to have a bad day married to Dan Campbell, yeah. I feel like. There'd be and some that's, that's... days you just walk in on him in the living room and he's crying watching the Titanic and you're like, What in the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Before he pounds forty ounces of coffee and hits the gym <laughs> listening to Metallica. He's pounding forty ounces of something, we just never know what. Um <laughs> And then one guy, uh, we had actually at 13, we had Frank Wright, who is uh, coaching tonight, um, recording as usual on Thursday evening, who without a beard, nah, but with a beard, I'm like, oh, okay, I can I can see that. The beard, the beard suits him well. He gets like a very like burly like beard and mustache area. And uh, with that, I guess we'd go ahead and give a quick rundown of how we're predicting this game. I think we're both currently on the same trifecta of Indy the over and then you know thus Indy covering since Denver's favored no strong stance and we might change it as injury stuff comes in in like 25 minutes but yeah Nathaniel Hackett's at 24 on this by the way I think he could benefit from facial hair although I don't know if he can grow it yeah he needs something to kind of accentuate his features because he looks very he, he just looks like a very normal human being with pointy ears yeah kind of kind of keebler elfie to me yeah i don't i don't think the hat is a great for him like i feel like the hat accentuates the the ear his ears and no like this is this is kind of getting a little bit rude at this point but if we're talking <laughs> about coach of tribes race i think if he went hatless and beard it would up him up some spots i'm trying to like look to see if it looks like he can grow a beard or not but he, th- from what i can tell on his face it doesn't look like he like has great beard growing capabilities but anyway um yeah this game i i think this game um nathaniel tackett's face kind of describes it a bit <laughs> um <laughs> it's it's just gonna be you know very average um <laughs> probably nothing special about it uh going in on Nathaniel Hackett right now. We went from shitting on his coaching to just, like, kind of insulting him a bit. But, um... Yeah, well, you know, get better. (laughs) We'll be nicer to you if you're better. That's what we're saying here. (laughs) We'll probably be a little less rude throughout the podcast. Um, But, yeah, since uh, the game kind of is kind of boring and it's going to be over by the time this is up, we'll just go ahead and move on to uh, Sunday here. We've got the London game of Green Bay hosting the Giants. And I think I saw that this is the first time where both teams have a winning record in the London game, which is kind of neat. Oh, that's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, sad in the sense that we usually send our shitters there. It's usually right. the Jags, though, in fairness. It is usually the Jags. So The London team. The Jags, the Vikings, there's been Andy Dalton. So, like, there haven't been a lot of teams that are in position to have winning records. So, although the Giants being 3-1 at this point, I think is a nod to Dable's competency. If slash when they get a better team, I think they'll be actually a, a threat. But for now, they're dealing with a lackluster roster. And so that's kind of signified in Green Bay favored by eight. I 
And we both are both picking Green Bay. The total's 41. I'm a little unsure on the total and spread right now. If you press me on it, I would say Giants cover. But where are you at with it? Oh, it's... It's a really tough one. It's in London. It's kind of a way for both teams. I don't know who the quarterback is for the Giants right now. It could I be I think Daniel it'll be Jones. Dimes, but I'm not sure how hobbled he is. Yeah, I, I, I think Saquon is good enough that they can hit the cover on this is kind of where my head is at. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think they really have a realistic chance of winning. Um, so like, I think they could cover the minus eight cause that's pretty steep, mm-hmm. but I'm not confident in it. I, I am, you know, picking the Packers, the over, I, I've thought about taking, that's kind of where I'm at is probably going to go with the over cause 41 is really low. And... It is the giants though. Let me look, I want to look at what the giants games have been hitting though. Cause like, okay, they've gotten 41. 35, 39, and 32. So 41's the highest they've gotten. <laughs> yeah. They played the Titans, Panthers, Cowboys, and Bears for context, though. The Packers are the best offense that they've faced, I would argue. Right. So. But it could be a, you know, a really gross, just incompetent game. Yeah. With a good and amount a of running game. and just no real game happening if you will yeah. just sort of yeah packers are fun my my concern with the total and spread is mostly due to daniel jones's health they because they've been running him a lot and if his ankle is you know holding him back he's been practicing a limited capacity the last couple of days which is good for his you know overall availability but i don't know about his like how much he'll actually be able to run and if daniel jones can't run fully he's bad like, yeah. like I'm just, that's just the best way to put it and also like it's it's not like he's got a receiving group that's gonna help him out especially with Galladay probably out Tony's not looking great they might get Wandale back but like they like their receiving group sucks too like it's just Saquon there so even if Dimes isn't as bad as like we think he might be right now the group around him kind of sucks so yeah I don't know about the total but the spread I, seems about right. I might just put push because 2021 is not really outside the realm of question and maybe a little bit less and more. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like 13-24, which would put it under. But again, I have no clue how London's going to go. And I guess I guess Rodgers is probably benefiting from them letting him in now. I don't know if this if this game was a year ago, would that have worked out? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I mean, was they like, wondering they like about that. I, so, I was wondering about that with the Kirk game. I yeah. Like, would they let Kirk into the UK if he's not vaccinated? Yeah, because I know, like, this past baseball season, like, T, I don't, I don't know what their current status is, and same with UK, like, but I know there are teams who, like, went in with severely hampered rosters, like, for MLB games because, like, guys weren't vaccinated and they just had to play with, like, half, you know, minor leaguers. Interesting. Yeah, but they yeah. ended up winning hilariously. There was a game where the Royals had, like, you know, half their usual guys missing ended up beating the Blue Jays too. Probably Jay Watts, you know. I don't know if he was happy about it because he wants them to suck and get a good pick or if he was just happy they won. But anyway, um, that's, the, yeah, that's the balance of being a fan sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, I, may, I may take it slow Sunday morning and just kind of watch this a smidgen. Um, 
or just like the second half if I wake up at like ten thirty, you know. Yeah, if if it's close in the second half, y'all tune in. You know, that's that's about what I'm thinking here. I'm not ex- see. I, I'm not expecting fireworks from Green Bay, and I'm not really expecting fireworks from the Giants, both for different reasons. Um, but yeah, I do think this will be a run fest, right? Exactly. Uh huh. Like the running backs are gonna get most of the volume. I'm sure someone in Green Bay will get looks. I just don't know who it is. If like I don't know who their slot guy is. Green Bay, um, because I, I think Dobbs and Lazard have been on the outside. I think Cobb has been the slot guy, right? I believe that sounds right from what I watched last week. So, so yeah. yeah. But anyway, next up we've got Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Buffalo is a 14 point favorite. And that's, that's enormous. Bullshit. That like <laughs> I'm sorry, that's fucking bullshit. When I saw that, I couldn't believe that was accurate. I went on like three different sites to look and make sure it was right. So yeah. I'm taking. Uh... <laughs> yeah, we're both taking Pitt to cover. Yeah, that's we're taking Buffalo to win still, but 14 points is absurd. So, especially since the Bills have honestly looked like shit the past few weeks. Not like terrible, but they've they've really struggled with their injuries and establishing any sort of identity to their offense and i like i'm sorry i i can't pick them the way they've looked to win by 14 if their defense was okay i would i would consider it but their defense is pretty hurt so i think this is a classic blown coverage week with gabe davis um pittsburgh's good for that like at least once or twice a week yep it hasn't been uh, great for Davis after week one because he's been hurt, but I think he is all good to go, completely healthy. So I'm, I'm banking on that. I think he scores a long tutty. I mean, their 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 implied total is enormous. So <laughs> <laughs> they they implied for like thirty. So yeah. right. Um, on the Pittsburgh side, the enormous spread makes it tough for me to get behind Najee, even if he does catch passes. But I think Kenny Pickett is in either. I mean, he's dfs cheap or if you're at a pinch streaming or like two two qb wise he's been on your bench like i think he's okay i know it's it not an ideal spot but it'll have to pass enough and we saw that he can run i think he can be okay fantasy wise i have a similar thought for Najee. i i think Najee finds the end zone i don't think he has like an amazing day but i do think he he does all right if they're gonna cover this then he kind of needs to Mm-hmm. And I do think that they do. Um, I did get to watch a lot of Pickett because you know I was watching the Jets uh, Steelers game last mm-hmm. week. I think Pickett is going to be good. He's okay. <laughs> He's certainly better than Mitch. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but again, that's a low bar. Um, <laughs> yeah, he. I think he's a good fit for this team too. They just they need someone who like I'm just going to put it. He's not gonna like fuck up a ton in the way Mitch does, but he also, like, isn't afraid to actually, like, throw when he should attack a certain spot. Like, we yeah. saw, like, with the with the Claypool one that we talked about a lot, that was, you know, not the best placement, but, like, I'm glad he made the throw. Like, it just, it was just, you know, was it unlucky that it got picked? Yeah. But, like, shit happens. Shit happens. He, uh, he very noticeably provided a spark to the offense, he was able to throw the ball more than five yards down the field. I feel like every time Mitch throws, 
He's going towards the sideline. He's never throwing just like up and down the field, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Whereas Pickett was doing that a lot, and they have the the skill players to do that. So I'm I'm here for it. I think he's gonna be good. I don't know if it's gonna be immediately, but I do think they have a guy there. He kind of reminds me of that Marino esque, like. Mm. Which is pretty high praise. I'm not saying he's going to be Dan Marino, but he will sling the ball. He does have an arm, and he might never win a Super Bowl. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, playing in that division does make it tough. I- I'm he's glad got he- that mullet going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that like the long hair type of thing. Yeah, I'm glad he's uh throwing to Pickens too. That rookie connection. Oh yeah, he's gonna love Pickens because mm-hmm. Pickens can go up and get it and you know he's going to come down with it. Yeah, and he threw it to Pat a ton. Like, I would... Like, people are going to see Pat's game last week and, like, went a little more for him, but I would definitely try to buy high on Pat or just buy Pat Fryermuth right now. Oh, I would too. I am a little wary for this game just because he's going to have to block um, a good amount, but I still think he's going to get targeted. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I have a league where I've... It's a dynasty league where I've got Waller, and I'm like, I want to buy Pat, because I'm like, one, like, you know, I don't know how long, you know, how many more years I'll get out of Waller, and two, like, the this iteration of the Raiders, like, aren't getting Waller involved the same way. I think it'll turn around, but I'm like, I like, you know, the idea of having, you know, a successor to Waller on my dynasty I team. think you should wait one week, because <laughs> right, have a bad week. Waller might have a great week, and... Frymouth might have a bad one and you'll be able to sell high on him. Yeah, I am expecting a good Waller week this week, finally. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, next up, we've got the Chargers at Cleveland. Uh, one of one of our, our you know fairly infrequent disagreements. I've got the Chargers, you've got Cleveland. Um, I have the over and it's only a two point spread. So since I'm taking the Chargers, I'm you know, going to pick them to cover. But I do think this will be a close game. Oh, I do too. And I think the Chargers can definitely win it, especially if Keenan Allen is back. That's a pretty big one for me. I want yeah. him back, and then I'll take the Chargers. My problem is just um, the Chargers' run defense sucks. Oh, it does. That's, that was my hesitation, and <laughs> that's why I'm taking the over. It's, it's fucking <laughs> terrible. They're banged up, and the guys that aren't banged up are not playing well. I have no idea how they're going to stop Chubb and Hunt like they won't if if the pressure is on and it's the end of the game you know i'm 100 percent taking herbert to make the throw over Brissett, but i don't know if that's gonna need to happen like they might just kind of control the game with the run and miles garrett's back and he's going against a backup left tackle you might get some more three and outs than you normally would so like in my sort of upset week prediction, I think I'm taking the Browns at home. I, I don't hate it. Like, I'm not super going home the Chargers. And if Keaton sits, it's a lot tougher. Um, so, yeah, one of the things I was looking at in the trench matchups where I broke it all down was the propensity of the Chargers to give up big plays. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yards per carry-wise are not the highest, but... If you look at uh, yards per carry to running backs, they're the highest by a ton because um, Detroit leads overall, but they, they, they face some running quarterbacks and stuff. Um, the Chargers are allowing 6.11 yards per carry to running backs and Seattle second at 5.36. And then the Chargers allow 
a lot of like open field yards and like the running back yards when we're looking at these metrics. Um, Cleveland's got a good matchup, like adjusted line yards wise, just because I mean they're they're Cleveland, like they run super <laughs> well. But as far as RB yards and open field yards, like they have like a huge gap on the rest of the of the field in that. So like I said, they are gonna have no issue running. I and I think because of that they'll be able to keep this close. Right. But I so if you're picking Chubb or Hunt, then I guess the the situation is how do you think this game plays out? If you think that the Chargers like at some point get up two scores, it might be more Hunt. If you if you think the Browns can keep it, you know, within seven or ten for most of the game, you know, they'll stay on schedule and get more Chubb. But I think this is the the I don't dislike Hunt, but I think we finally see Chubb house call this week. Oh, I think they're both going to be good. I like them both. Yeah, the Chargers have allowed like, allowed like a 50-yard, you know, burst like each of the last three weeks. So <laughs> I'm just waiting for Chubb to get his. Because he's been like, this is not a hot take and I might be a little biased, but he's been the best running back in the league this year, in my opinion. Yeah. And if not him, Saquon, like Chubb is definitely top two or three. And I'm just going to call him top because I want to. He's been, like, elite, elite, amazing. Obviously, he has a great O-line in front of him, too. But it's yeah. like this is the best run game in the league, pretty much. And Chubb has been awesome without his huge house calls that we see from him on a consistent basis, I'll say. So, yeah, yeah I'm, they, I'm all uh, over the Browns' run game this week. No, uh, no Joey Bosa and the, uh, what's his name? Jerry Tillery has not panned out well, so, like, I don't see the Chargers getting any push on that offensive line. So I'm like, if anything, Chubb's going to get like seven yards of carry this week. Because <laughs> Pierce got five without his 75-yard touchdown run. Mm. Over five. It was like 5.1 almost. Smashing. Um, Pierce yeah. is pretty good. That's a, Pierce that's a separate good. combo for the next for the one we get to that game. But yeah, Pierce is pretty awesome. I'm glad we... Nailed he's that mini chub he's not yeah he's definitely not chub but he's trying to get there he's he's mini chub yeah he's he, he's he's, he's in that archetype of like <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much that the bowling ball type of thing the chub and the chode <laughs> uh... i don't know how he'd feel about being called the chode <laughs> yeah that's not very endearing but it's meant endearingly exactly uh but yeah this, this is gonna be a good game i think and like the Browns run defense hasn't been good either, so I think Eckler's at an okay spot too. Oh, and yeah. then obviously Mike Williams is getting targets with with Keenan. From what I can tell, if Keenan's in, like they're probably he'll he'll probably be good. But if he's out, like it's been Everett benefiting a lot. I don't know if Josh Palmer is that great, so I'm just leaning Everett as long as Keenan's out. I think Palmer is good, but he's not. A receiver that can play all over the field he's mostly an outside guy yeah he's not keenan he's more of like, like he's more of a mike williams replacement than a keenan replacement yeah he's like a hamler a little bit bigger yeah yeah he's not gonna be like your always open slot guy and deandre carter is deandre carter so that's why i'm like ever ever kind of filling that role for now he's big enough that he could be that quick guy like that short target guy for them and he's got like enough big play potential so I may I may switch all my pick here, based on how we've talked about the run game. But the, the Ke- Keenan's presence will be a big part of it. Yeah, Keenan's really big for me because the Chargers, you know, obviously 
Fuck. Herbert loves Keenan Allen, but the Cleveland's defense is just not good against it's been the bad. exact position that Keenan Allen plays. <laughs> yeah. Having him back would be huge. So, yeah, my picks are kind of contingent on that. I guess watch for his availability. Um, if he plays, I'm just going to switch over to, to the Chargers. But for right now, with my assumption he might not be playing, I think it is a true questionable Um I'm taking Cleveland. This will be a good one. But next up, we've got Chicago and Minnesota. Maybe not as good of a game. Um, we both got... <laughs> we both... I realize we both wrote, like, push, maybe, on Minnesota minus seven. That seems, like, almost exactly right. Um, yeah, exactly. And then... Both taking Minnesota, obviously. And then the over-under is 44. We both went under on it. I think for probably about the same reason, where we expect this to be pretty run-heavy. Yeah, and and pretty unwatchable. <laughs> As all Bears games are. Um, Bears are interesting. Their so their O line has started to gain some traction because they've been doing some things really well, which is surprising. Uh, they're one of the worst in pass blocking. They're absolutely awful at protecting fields. They're like the sixth worst at best, <laughs> and he barely passes. So if he passed more. You have to assume the higher volume, it would be even lower. <laughs> um, but they've Everflus has kind of uh, changed the way he wants their offensive line to work as a unit, and he's basically said, "All right, you guys all suck at technique, so we're gonna ignore that." <laughs> and he's drafted and brought in all of these huge guys that can just sort of bully the defense on run. So they're like Red very graders, physical. Basically. They're yeah. they're almost like a. For those that watch college, like the OSU offensive line, <laughs> like they just are huge and bully people, but not very technically sound. And in a weird way, it's kind of working. It's helping them. They're at least, you know, playing to their strengths, which is good. Uh, the problem is that Minnesota's defense is basically built to not allow teams to run. They don't really want a whole lot of interior pressure. They mostly just want to clog the lanes and you know prevent teams from getting past the line uh and if they can do that which might be easy with cody whitehair out for the bears uh things are not going to look good for chicago here yeah it's it minnesota's got a pretty good front and you want to attack their secondary and the bears aren't going to do that like that's that's honestly what i got here like they're going to keep trying to run and run, and they'll get some, but I don't know if they'll try to pass, and if they do, if it'll be too late. or like. Also, I don't know about David Montgomery. There's a chance he might actually come back. I thought I he was going to sit again, and I might, you know, obviously only play Khalil Herbert if Montgomery's out, because I think it's going to be a split when he comes back, at least to start, and maybe just for the season. Um, but this is definitely, in my opinion, Dalvin Cook week, his He's gotten a lot of yards and only one touchdown, and he's gotten like six red zone looks the last two weeks, and they've not converted. And he got vultured by Madison last week. Um, he got a buttload of touches, so I guess his shoulder is fine for now, or he's playing through it. And we've seen him play through shoulder injuries pretty fine. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a labral tear for a running back is pretty minimal. It's <laughs> As much as it can be. Like, It's basically just can you avoid it getting fucked up a bunch. Yeah, it's only going to really be a problem if he lands on it or someone lands on him and it's it's just very painful. 
but it it's a pain tolerance thing. Yeah, exactly. It it doesn't affect his legs or his body really much at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as long as long as his legs are okay, I feel fine about him. Um, I do want to say I'm tempering my my Justin Jefferson expectations a little bit this game. I could be way off, and like he's good enough to like do it on five targets even like. But I expect this game to be gross, slow, run heavy. So they're not going to need to throw to Justin Jefferson a billion times. I mean, they might, but I'm not yeah, saying to bench good. him. But I'm I'm saying like I'm not like I'm not going to play him in DFS because like I don't think he's going to have. This is not a ceiling spot in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's kind of a trap spot for him because you see that you know Bears defense awful secondary, and you're like, oh, Jay Jeff's going to get me 40 points, and he might only get you like 13. And that's still okay. Yeah. They just aren't going to need to use him as much because the Bears are probably not going to move the ball all that well. <laughs> unless Fields just, you know, does everything. He is good for um, for one, like, bomb pass to someone a game. Just like, Fields yeah. does that. It could be anybody. I can't wait for them to, like, put decent players around him. <laughs> yeah, that'll be, that would be nice. <laughs> this is one I do want to say that I was a bit surprised. So, like, I'm not surprised Minnesota plays at an okay pace, but Chicago's neutral pace is actually not terrible. And this game, as far as like the, like what? So whenever I do my matchup things, I just like sum up the paces. And so this is actually neutral pace wise the second fastest. But I don't know if that holds up. Slash, I think the total time. Like, if these teams are both running a bunch, I don't know if that's gonna quite hold true this game. Yeah. So it could be fine. Like they could run a lot of plays and uh, JDF could, you know, ball out, but this st- it doesn't profile to like fit that. There's just not the need for him to be a safety valve in this game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if he goes off for like five for 130 and two, like, right. That would not, <laughs> like, he could, he's Dustin Jefferson. He can have high efficiency, but. The next game on our list, I also expect to be pretty run heavy for both sides with Detroit at New England. We need, we do need a little bit more injury news with both these teams, um, but we're taking Detroit right now. The total is 46, and I'm a, I'm torn on that. Um, New England's favored by three, so we're picking Detroit to cover since we're picking that upset. But I oh, think yeah. this will be a close game. I do too. I really want Detroit to get retribution against uh, Fatty P, so I, I am picking Detroit. But I do think that people are, well, I should say people have misconceptions about New England's viability right now as a team, just because they started the year off with this whack new offense, trying something new. They wanted to do the McVay thing and establish this zone run scheme and all this, you know, entirely new offense. And it sucked balls because that's not their thing. And they've reverted back to their old ways, which is, you know, more of that gap and, you know, match up with your man, stand in the pocket. They're back to being consistent. They're going to put up points. They're going to stop the other team. They're going to get lucky calls. Um, It's in New England. I really have to say that I hate picking Detroit here. I'm definitely not confident in it. I think New England could definitely win this one. The problem is obviously just Detroit's defense is so fucking bad. I don't see any reason New England doesn't just run the ball with all of their running backs all day. That's what they should do, and I think they will do. That's my expectation. Uh, 
So, like, that's, that's why I'm torn here. Like, yeah, you mentioned, like, they went back to the outfits they were slash should be running. And it makes both of the running backs viable. It's a much better fit for Damian Harris going more gap heavy. And Detroit's not going to be able to stop him. Um, as far as which I prefer, um, I mean, I've seen it on both on your roster in season long, but in DFS, like, Ramondre catches more passes, so that's my lean. Um, Swift's probably going to be out again, so, you know, Jamal Williams will be the lead back, and they've had success running every game, so he's viable. I do want to say that I don't know if Amon Ra is actually a sure thing to come back. He, uh, I don't think he's practiced yet this week, so it's uh, not looking great. Like, if he's out, that's you know, a weapon that they don't have to worry about. I think they might have Shark back at least. Like, he he's he got limited practice in today, so that's reassuring. But Amon Ra might miss again, so. Yeah, that would suck. I refuse to take the Patriots, but that would uh, advise me against sticking with Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I don't want to pick the Patriots, but if, if certain things go their way, like injury-wise, it might be... It might be a shitty one I have to pick. Um, I want Detroit to bite some kneecaps off, man. Yeah, I want them please. to say, fucking Matt Patricia, get your ass over here. You're coming in the game. <laughs> Face is like a man. <laughs> oh, man. But um, I, I wish uh, Matt Patricia was still a head coach just so we could see where he would rank in the co- head coach attractiveness ratings. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> Not to be too mean to two people here, but yeah. yeah um, fuck that guy. <laughs> he sort of deserves it. Um, yeah. We both agreed that Zap is gonna be serviceable here. Um, I don't know about their volume though. Before we were going, I was like, this could be a you know sort of Bills type game where they pass like twelve times. <laughs> um, if they have to pass more, I think Agalor makes sense because I expect Akuda to be on. Devontae Parker or Jacoby, if he's in, I don't think Okuda would stay on Aguilar. Maybe, but whoever is not getting Okuda should have an okay time. But again, the volume might be low, so it's not like something I love. Yeah, the uh, the potential of Belichick out coaching Goff is that's yeah pretty strong, and he knows Goff is the thing. Yeah, he knows how to beat Goff. Um, but anyway. Yeah, a lot, a lot of run-heavy games here. But next up, we've got Seattle and New Orleans. We both have New Orleans right now. Um, I think we're both assuming Camaro's in here when we pick this. Um, and their defensive yeah. front's pretty solid. <laughs> Total of 46, New Orleans favored by 5.5. I'm a little unsure on the these uh, like totals and spreads. I don't know where I'm leaning here. Uh, I'm... <sighs> The, the total is really hard to predict. 46 seems about right. I am mm-hmm. on New Orleans. Five and a half is tough. I I want to see Dalton start again. I, I I think he will. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Winston hasn't practiced yet, so I don't think he'll play. They, they should they should sit him. Like, he is very obviously pretty hurt. <laughs> right. I, I don't think Dalton is a huge drop-off from Jameis in terms of offensive efficiency for them because of the skill players they have. So I, I kind of think it Camara, if he's good to go, should just run all over the Seahawks. They don't really have a secondary to stop Michael Thomas. If he's back, I don't think he will be, he hasn't practiced yet. Yeah. 
I'll wait for Friday for him because he is a older vet. But uh, it does look like Jarvis should be back. That's good. If Michael Thomas is out and Jarvis is in, he's probably a pretty good stream option. Yeah, the Seattle defense has been so bad that like that might lead me to the over. And with Kamara presumably back, he said he's going to play. He's been getting limited practice in. Like he's he he's a banger this week. Uh, I I want to hopefully see some news about uh, his workload and his ribs. But if he's playing it fine, then he should ball out. Yeah. And if, if Thomas is out too, I like Olave a lot again too. He's just oh, yeah. so good. He's been he's been fucking amazing. He's I was so worried good. about Dalton with him, and those worries were quickly put to bed. Yeah, <laughs> he finally found the end zone too. I was like, yes, what a guy, what a guy. Now here's one for you, because normally we won't talk about all the starters because you can kind of assume a lot of those guys are going to be in your lineup. How do you feel about DK going against Marshawn Lattimore? How have they, how much have they faced off? Marshawn Lattimore is like the corner I like to look at previous matchups with to like see because he's he's a fucking dickhead. Like so he like I mean you see that with Mevins, like he gets in Mevins' head. Um I think DK is good enough that he's he'll be fine. Like he I mean he the the Okuda thing was not a problem for him last week. So I don't think they've gone against each other yet. I have it I mean there's a chance they haven't just because DK is not in the league that long. Oh, here we go. There was one. Did he play this week? Yeah. <laughs> DK had two receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's very DK. I don't. I'm, I'm I'm curious which of those Lattimore was or was or wasn't on him. But Lattimore like Lattimore's not going to shadow him the whole game though. Is the thing. So. Right. I mean. But yeah. Seattle's offense has proven it still has life. It's just their defense hasn't. Yeah, my yeah. My worry though is like looking at the defenses that Seattle's been good against. Like they shit the bed against San Fran, but they were really good against like the Lions. Uh, who else have they played? Didn't they give up forty five points? Um, who the, the they they gave up forty five to the Lions. I'm talking about like the Seahawks offense though, because like oh. they got. They got 17 against the Broncos, 7 against the Niners, but then they got 23 against the Falcons and then 48 against the Lions. I'm like, I'm looking at the Saints, and the, their defense hasn't lived up to what I thought they would be, but they're closer to the first two than the second two, I think. Much. So, can the Seahawks get you, you know, 21-ish? Probably, but I'm not expecting, like, absurdity or anything from them. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I have them. I think I like twenty three. Yeah, so I think I think right right around there. Yeah, I think I'm talking into the over here based on how we're discussing the game. But I do want to add. So we, we we both have Dalton as a stream, just given the Seattle defense. Seattle has proven to be just god awful against tight ends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we saw it really hit with Hawkinson last week. Um, the tough part with New Orleans is they don't really have like a clear cut guy. It's sort of been Jawan Johnson, but then we saw um, Adam Troutman get more involved last week. So I uh, I don't necessarily have a strong feeling about either of them. Um, I think Jawan Johnson might have like more upside based on how he's been used. But I mean, we saw him and Troutman pretty much go equal last week. So it's it's tough to take advantage of the matchup this week. So I might just go Kamara and call it a day there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I could, I could definitely see Taysom Hill scoring again. 
<laughs> Hips scoring in London was hilarious. I that was, was that was a good call. Your Some best call was <laughs> your best call was the fucking Kansas City tight end thing, though. They literally all scored. I was like, oh, holy no. shit, I wish you parlayed that. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was amazing. <sighs> that was one of your true Mastradamus tight end whispering moments. Mozzie's tight ends. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, next up, we've got Miami at the Jets here. So how are you feeling about your Jets right now? Uh, overall, the season and for this game. You know, they're... I think they're going kind of according to plan for me, which is they're better than last year. They're having some line problems, but Wilson, I think, has improved. From what I've seen out of him, he does look better to me. And when he knows where he's going with the ball, he's very decisive and good. Um, he was very good at the end of the game. They came out of the AFC North gauntlet at 2-2, two and two, so I'm pretty That's happy. That's good. That's solid. Their defense that. is kind of up and down. They, they've got a lot of good components. They just haven't really put it together yet. Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed are both really good corners right now. They've got some a little bit more stability at, in, at linebacker with CJ Mosley and Quan Alexander. Their safety play has been bad, though, and they're not really getting a great amount of edge pressure but they are collapsing the pocket pretty well Quinn and Williams is doing really well he's like the number seven DT Carl Lawson's been starting to click and they're getting Vinnie Curry back this week uh their draft was awesome I'm glad I can say that their rookies have done really well they've got like five rookies and Wilson's been awesome too yeah so his breeze has been really good too breeze has been good Wilson's been good who, uh, Jermaine Johnson has been working his way into the lineup. He looks good. Sauce has been very good. Uh, everyone they took in the early rounds of the draft has come, come through well. And Max Mitchell was their late tackle pick who played really well. Unfortunately, he will be out for a couple weeks. So they are down to their like sixth strings on the tackle position. But Not ideal. they might be getting Dwayne Brown back. Wayne Brown was the guy they signed at left tackle to replace Mackay Becton, and he went on IR almost immediately. Uh, but he has started practicing. There is a hope he could play this week, which would be really, really huge because they've kind of ignored the run game so far. And I think part of that is because of their tackle position. It's almost like the Niners without their tackles and that zone run, they kind of need that. And the Saints, mm-hmm. same without... Uh, Teron Armstead this year. So if they get Dwayne Brown, that makes me a lot happier. It also makes me think they might try to run a lot more, at least in the beginning part of the game. And Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson is apparently Mm. just destroying man coverage. With the league average of man coverage route success, it's it's like 30% or so. It's about average. He's at 54%, which is... A whopping twice Ooh. as much as the league average. Ooh. The only guy ahead of him is Debo, who we know is just a god. Mm-hmm. Um, so ultimately, I think I might be taking the Jets. I am waiting to see if Dwayne Brown does play. Uh, but I think this will be a fun game. I think it's a lot of slant work. A lot of, you know, the Jerry Rice kind of wide receiver game where <laughs> guys are catching seven-yard passes and housing them. Running backs are catching three yard passes and taking it 20 yards 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on Garrett Wilson. I I'm with you on this game potentially being pretty fun. I, I have the over. Um, I think I'm gonna for now have the Jets. But you know, injury news always matters. But the Ooh. the Dolphins play. I think they pretty much play all man. Like they yeah. play a ton of man. So this is definitely Garrett Wilson territory. I I'm I'm this is one that was really interesting to me to look at on like the line matchup charts actually. So, I don't. I know we were talking about how much success the uh, Jets will or won't have running. They have the like the worst run matchup this week. Yeah. Uh, so, but the the pressure matchup is fine. And like we talked about, like you know Wilson being good against man. Like I think they will have to pass and should actually be fine passing, given like the talent they have at pass catcher and how much man Miami plays. Um, Miami. You know, similar, they, they just can't run, and the Jets are good against the run. Like, Miami is, they may run, like, five times. Like, yeah. like, like a little bit exaggeration, but these teams are both going to pass a lot. The Jets go at a fast pace. Um, they're, I don't know if they're the fastest team, but they're one of the fastest teams. So, like, overall, neutral pace, they're a little more normal, but overall, their pace has been high because of, you know, they've been playing from behind and whatnot. Other, uh, you know, the Cleveland game kind of impacted that a lot, but... I expect this to be pass heavy. I think Teddy and Zach are both fine streams, um, and like DFS wise, they're very cheap. I know, right? So I was like, it's tough because looking at like Tom Brady's price, you're like, oh, he's you know super cheap at six k. But if you got on like Zach Wilson at five point three, you're like, huh. Also, we'll get to if Davis Mills is only five uh, k on DraftKings. I'm like, I might try that. <laughs> I might have to try that once. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. This could be kind of sneaky. Uh, but next up we've got my Atlanta Falcons hosting, or sorry, going to the Buccaneers and picking Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay's favored by nine, which is a lot. And the total is 48, which is also a lot on their, you know, Tampa. I don't think Tampa will have trouble scoring. Um, and you know, unless, you know, Brady's head is not in it, but we'll see there. Um, however, Pitts is uh, not looking like a super sure thing. He has not practiced the last two days with a hammy. Uh, if he misses, this is going to... I'm going to take, you know, Tampa to score a ton and Atlanta to maybe not score much. Like, he is so integral to their offense. Even when he's not scoring fantasy-wise, his presence, like... One, it makes it easier for every other pass catcher. And two, he's a great blocker. So... Without him, like, a lot of stuff goes out the window. So when I was looking at the run matchups, um, New Orleans had the best one. That was part of my Camara love. You know, New England, Green Bay, Detroit all showed up great. But Atlanta actually showed up number two on adjusted line yards, like, just behind New Orleans. And I was, like, I was fucking shocked. I was like, what? <laughs> I did not expect Atlanta against Tampa to be like that. But Tampa, um, even before last week, they hadn't seen a ton of run volume. But they'd actually been getting kind of beat in the run game. And then Atlanta's been running really efficiently, and a lot of that is because of Kyle Pitts. Um, they've their lines been playing way over their heads in sense of like talent level to statistics, and you know like they've also got some young guys who are probably improving too. But Kyle Pitts being there on the, on right outside like outside the tackle like helps a ton on the on the line. So without him, I think a lot could go out the window because I was looking at it, I'm like, oh like. Algier and you know maybe Huntley could be fine in a pinch here, but 
Like they they need Pitts for their offense. Like I think it could severely go to shit without him. And yeah, people are gonna realize how important he is. He blocks incredibly well. Mm-hmm. He is a monster in both the passing game and the blocking game, uh, which is mm-hmm. great when you're a tight end. So his his absence would be really really huge. I'm hoping he plays. He was a limited non-participant, right? Yeah, he has not like practiced that. the last two days. Yeah. Yeah. So he's there. He's just not practicing. It doesn't look great. Um, truly a questionable. We'll see Friday on the injury reports how that comes out. Uh, Tampa to me, an injured rotator cuff is kind of big for Brady. Like that's. I know they're saying he's fine, but like, though that's kind of a big one as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. If that gets aggravated, all it takes is one sack and he lands the wrong way. This game can get out of hand really quickly. I still think uh, Tampa Bay's defense is good enough. They'll still win. But I think I'm going to take Atlanta to cover. If Pitts is in, I will. Um, You said just just the one sack. The problem is that might not happen. (laughs) Um, They've been protecting Brady well, and Atlanta's not getting pressure. Like, Let me look at uh, Atlanta is third to last in pressure generated. Um. That's no good. And on offense, let's see. I think Tampa's near the bottom. Or, like, near the good. Yeah, they they have allowed the least pressure. Like, this is, like, on a per-dropback basis. So, yeah. So like, I don't not going to get sacked, basically. Yeah, that's the thing. Is, like, if even if he's not feeling great, like, mentally or physically, I don't know if they're going to get to him. Um, <laughs> that's, and that's, that's where I'm sad about, like, the possible outcome for this. I've seen a lot of love for Fournette as well. And like the Atlanta run defense, you know, is it good? But I also wouldn't be surprised if this is like a Brady five touchdown game. Um, yeah, that's why I like Rashad White. Because I think Rashad White and Fournette will both uh, get passes this game. Yeah. Um, as far as my favorite pass game guy, though, on the Bucks side, Godwin. Uh, slot against Atlanta. Godwin yeah. seems like he's recovered from the, the the leg injury i think it was he got like his back hit kind of hard but came back last game so he should ball out and yeah. then if cameron Brait sits uh Cade otten um was active over kyle rudolph last week so that's he is the minimum on DraftKings. so uh Bray, yeah yeah brace concussed he hasn't practiced yet uh, obviously with the concussion protocol that can go from nothing to fine to play in you know second just because that's how the protocol works but if he sits uh, i'm trying to think he was one of my higher tight ends that like in the pre-draft process yeah he's been getting used anyway like with Braden some like they're getting involved and he is gaining brady's trust so like he played like half the snaps the first two weeks too he was out week three but he got back into his role last week and got three catches on four targets so i'm like okay like they you know, we'll use him. They trust him. So like where Atlanta has been pretty rough against, you know, middle of the field. Cade could also be fine too, I think. So I he like is it. my, he's, he's the dumpster dive of the week. <laughs> so <laughs> man. Yeah. But I, I, I hope his place. So Atlanta doesn't get crushed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Next up though, we've got Tennessee at Washington. This is a tough one. Um, we've got Tennessee for now. I think our deciding factor was you pointed out Washington centers on IR now. They're just they're just super hurt. 
yeah, Sam Cosby. What had he had he been out already? Or oh yeah, no, the, their backup center who came back got hurt. That's right. So they're just they're all fucked up. Um, yeah, they're they're down Rulier and Schweitzer. So now it's Nick Martin at center. And, it's a very generic name. Yeah, Nick Martin. And then Cosby just had thumb surgery. I don't know what that means for a lineman. He probably is gonna play, but he did just have surgery. So like, I don't know. Um. Yeah, I, Cosby. They have they have him out indefinitely. Okay. So I I assume he won't play. Um, <laughs> yeah. That'd be impressive, but I doubt it. And then they're missing um, Dotson too in the past game. Yeah, and that's also really big for me because he adds a spark to the Washington offense that they desperately need. It's uh, one of my things when I was going back and watching last week was that when he left the game, they. Like the entire defense just kind of closed in on them, mm-hmm. and, and you know Dallas' defense is good anyway. Yeah, they the safeties didn't have to hang back as much. They were able to kind of put a little more pressure on. Washington's line is beat up, so I think Tennessee is going to get a lot of pressure. Uh, it's a gross game that I probably won't watch unless it shows up on Red Zone randomly. Which but I, you know, <laughs> you know, we'll see if it does. Tennessee. Yeah, the the Washington Center stuff put me on Tennessee. I was on the over. I'll have to reevaluate on that. I know um, I'm not confident in that either now. Yeah, Washington's defense is bad enough that I think it'll get there. And ten- Tennessee's defense isn't like good. Like we, we we talked about like you know variable scheming up enough stuff to like get to Wentz with backup linemen in, but also like you know we're still talking about two NFL teams. Like it's not like Washington's gonna fucking all turn into pumpkins. Like Wentz might have a pumpkin play or two, but like. I'm gonna still get enough going, and I I hope that he has enough time to get the ball up to Terry because this should be Terry time. Like it's spooky season, we should get scary Terry. So yeah, it's it, that's that's the analysis. It's October, it's spooky season, scary Terry. That's yeah, end end thread. Um, <laughs> but no, like this this is a great matchup for him, and it should see plenty of targets. Um, if it's not going to him, I think we get a lot to Logan Thomas. I was looking at tight end matchups. Um, tight end matchups, for the most part, don't mean much. We know Seattle's been bad against it. Atlanta middle of the field's been rough, so it's kind of hit or miss. Tennessee, Mo Alecox crushed him. Knox did decently. Like he hasn't really done much this year, so his uh, like his you know decent game against them looks better. Um, and then you know Foster Moreau got some production, so I'm like I think we can see uh, Logan Thomas get some stuff going. There we go. Sorry, Sleeper was telling me I have Javante Williams in, but I definitely took him out. Yeah, he's on my bench. <laughs> so I'm going to take a picture of him on my bench in case this is fucking up. But anyway. Um, what, yeah, is is there anyone else you like on tennis, or sorry, on the Washington side, and what are you feeling on Tennessee here? Uh, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I kind of think that Tennessee just kind of runs all over them. Washington has scored 18 points combined the past two weeks. It's uh, been rough. With their line play being as bad as it is. We could see Brian Robinson, though. And that's not only astonishing, but I think could be really impactful. If he plays and he's good, that's why I'm unsure about the under-over. Because I think Tennessee definitely does enough to reach that. But I I'm kind of torn on if Washington does based on how they've played. If Brian Robinson plays, I might take the over. If not, I might take the under. 
I I would I don't think he will. They designated to him to return on Monday. Um and since he's not like on the active roster yet, I don't know if we've gotten him on practice reports. I'm guessing it'll probably not be this week. It could be, but usually like cuz they they get 3 weeks, so usually I mean, I guess he did just come off IR, so they've they've got some time to bring him back, but right. I mean, hey, they could. That'd be awesome to see him come back, but <laughs> I just can't believe he might come back already. I know. But the fact that it's a possibility is nutty. Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I like the running back on the other side here with Henry. Washington's run defense has been like okay, but the, it looks worse matchup-wise just because everyone always passes on them with great success. <laughs> yeah. Great success. Um, great success. Um, so yeah, Henry's Henry, they've been getting the ball a ton. They've been passing to him more too, and with Burks out, like that might continue more. But with Burks out... I think that opens up possibility of Kyle Phillips getting some involvement, but in reality, I think we might just see Robert was get a bunch of targets and have a really good game here. Yeah. They've been getting beat by speed, but Tennessee doesn't have like a ton of like receiver speed. So I kind of like the, uh, the Phillips and woods call. I definitely like woods. I think mm-hmm. uh, Phillips is a really good sort of possession slot guy. Yeah. I, Washington's corners are not bad. playing well. <laughs> yeah, I think Tanny and like maybe Wentz are worth like stream consideration here. Next up, we've got Houston at Jacksonville, our last 1 p.m. game. We both have Jacksonville. We're both taking the over on 43 and a half, and we're both torn on Jacksonville minus seven. Um, you put it's in here that show. yeah, everything we've seen is that Jacksonville should be fine and cover, but in a this is this is the the Mozzie sense, you know. It's, it's just not. It just doesn't seem like it should happen that way. It's yeah. Divisional football. Divisional football. Yeah, and the Texans, like, they have some life. They're just not winning games. They're not they, – they obviously have some problems on the uh, the coaching and just their offense in general. Um, but Stingley and Petrie, I think Petrie is how you say it, mm-hmm. I think have so. been really good for them. So, like, their defense has some people in the secondary. They're just not really doing a whole lot up front. I think Jacksonville, if if Lawrence doesn't fumble five fucking times <laughs> last week, they probably beat the Eagles. Yeah, he just and couldn't I, handle the rain. I think it's pretty safe to assume he might not fumble this game if he's not really getting pressured. At least not five times. Definitely not five times. <laughs> so right now I'm kind of on the Jacksonville covers, but it like by seven. So like it's kind of a push. I don't think it's much more than that i still think houston gets 20 points so i'm taking the over yeah this is another one there's a lot of like these divisional ones that i'm, I'm calling like over on at least i guess this and then the chats one but i cooks okay i know the defensive scheme is different this year but cooks both games torched the same secondary at least like with both griffin and um i forget who the other corner is but the campbell the 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 two those two corners are the same yeah. like the outside corners so I, I expect Cooks to, one, you know, get the targets because they'll need to throw to him, and two, beat the guys he beat last year. Um, last year, week one, seven targets, five catches for 132 yards, and then week 15, 10 catches, sorry, 10 targets, seven catches, 102 yards, two touchdowns. Like, I'm not saying that will repeat, but this seems like a good spot for him to have the opportunity to repeat that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm really confident on the over. Because yeah. I like Cooks a lot. He's been getting targeted a shit ton as well with Mills. 
I like Pierce a lot. Obviously, Pierce is mm-hmm. that dude. Uh, Pierce also had, I think, six receptions last yes. week. They were like great, but he was six for six on his catches. So he is dumping off to him. Yeah, they got him more involved in the passing game, thankfully. They, because uh, I, I think Rex Burkett still caught a touchdown just because they were so behind they had to throw yeah, a Burkett lot. Yeah, Burkett was five for five. Yeah, but I'm glad they got Pierce involved in the pass game more. That Me was too. reassuring. Because so, he can catch. He's good, man. He's so good. I'm glad they're. I'm glad they quickly transitioned to making him the, the main guy. It's been awesome to see him do well. Yeah, it's like don't don't big brain it. If whoever's playing better, <laughs> keep him in. Yeah, yeah. I, I've given. I've been very harsh on Lovey so far this year, and I'll continue to be probably. But I'm like, I'm, you know, one week of fucking up. Okay, it happens. But I'm glad he quickly, you know, turned that around. He's been getting better and better every week. Like every week, it's gone from you know higher fantasy points to higher fantasy points and more rushing to more rushing it's just mm-hmm. yeah could be and pierce breakout i mean mm-hmm. I, if you didn't count last week yeah, yeah last week about a minute with the 75 yard domination game too i i like the running backs on the other side too though I, the tough part is the split on it i my heart wants to say etn time but i don't know if i like can reasonably say that yet just because they're expected to stay ahead robinson's been getting the work but I, I feel like like it's a matter of time for ETN. I don't know. Like he he got more snaps last week. Um, that I don't think that happened since week one or the week one. Um, but let's see. He got eight carries. Robinson got eight carries. So they split carries last week. And ETN is definitely the the pass game guy. Um, I mean, I'm still sad he dropped that touchdown week one. I like. Houston's run D is pretty bad. Their defense is, has been struggling in general, but their run D is pretty bad. So both Jacksonville running backs will get their opportunities, but I really hope we see ETN finally get it. Like if you have, if you're in any league dynasty or redraft and you're like wanting to go after ETN, do it before this weekend. Cause like this is his best shot to go off that he's had this year. So I agree with that. I think with, Houston having a decent secondary and pretty bad up front, it makes a lot of sense that ETN gets a lot of usage mm-hmm. um, and might find the end zone early, and then the rest of the game, Robinson gets the yardage. So they might not complement each other for fantasy, but I do think they both end up being viable with mm-hmm. ETN maybe getting some of the scoring early and Robinson getting some of the yardage and chunk for the rest of the game. Can we, can we call him Chunks? That's Chunks. Robinson's name is Chunks. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But uh, speaking of Chunks, we've got Carolina uh, hosting San Fran to kick off our 4 p.m. game. Fucking barf. How's that for a segue? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we both have San Fran here. Uh, they're seven-point favorites. That seems about right. I don't know about them covering or not. Uh, I'd probably take them to cover, I think. Um, it's tough to on the road. I, I have the under and you have the over, though. That's where we kind of differ. I'm not confident in it. 39 is just really low. Yeah, I just don't know what Carolina is going to be able to do. Yeah, I mean, like, at any given time, their offense might put some things together, which is why I'm worried about taking the under, even if they still suck. Like, (laughs) so they've been criminally underperforming. Yeah, 49ers games have gone. This is going recent to start. Um, 33, 21, 34, and then obviously 29 in the monsoon. Carolina games have been 42 last week, uh, 36, um, 35, 
And then week one was 50 against the Browns. But not great totals. And the 49ers are not a team who, like, cares about putting up massive point totals. And, you like, I don't know what the rate is, but I think a lot of these... I, I, I'm not... This is an off, like, field. Like, I think I remember a stat that, like, when games have totals of, like, under 40, they hit under actually a lot. Yeah. But... With that, though, we do... <laughs> I put the San Fran D and, and then Jeff Wilson has bangers here. Although... Yeah, like, yeah. Carolina's defense hasn't been bad, but their offense has just been anemic. Yeah, it's also, like... I think their schedule might be making it look a little better on their defense because it's been... Because the Browns put up 26. The Giants got only 19. Saints only 14. Cardinals, 26. I'm like, they've not faced, like, prolific offenses, in fairness. Oh, they definitely haven't. Yeah. I do want to ask, though. Do you... I have, like, a weird hunch about this maybe being Kittle week. I don't have much to back it up. Other than, like, they may not actually need him to block the whole game this time. But where are you at on that? I like that because Jeremy Chin was just put on IR. Oh, yeah. I saw they're going to be doing some, like, weird thing filling in their safeties. and Yeah. But... Uh... Because they're not really getting a lot of pressure. Let me like look at the exact numbers on here. But they are, I think, bottom ten in pressure. Yeah. Really. So, and like they're not, like they're also not putting their deep. Their offense is not putting their defense in a spot to be able to play aggressively. So. Yeah, the middle of the field looks pretty weak for them. Yeah. If if yeah if Trent was in, I'd feel a lot better about Kittle too. But I'm like. There isn't a whole lot to go off of this. Again, sometimes sometimes it's the mozzie, but yeah. this seems a little kiddly for, for for me. I don't know. Well, Dante Jackson's pretty good, and he might be kind of locking up the outside there. So that middle of the field, which San Fran loves to exploit with mm-hmm. Kittle, with Debo taking middle stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if you were right. Trent Williams was out last week, and it didn't matter a whole lot they had a what's his name mccaskill so yeah mcsomething mckivitz mckivitz yeah yeah he was the fill-in uh they still did fine so i guess uh i i hate this game (laughs) me too we can move on if you want (laughs) i think 4 p.m nap time might be in play again oh yeah yeah for sure because that next game is dallas at rams and so I this is one I legit have no fucking clue who I'm picking. I'm like the total's forty three. I'm like maybe over by one, but the Rams are favored by five and a half. I'm like I think Dallas will cover. I just don't know by how much. Um, man, yeah. I'm on Dallas yeah. covering. I don't know if they'll win. Uh, the problem for me is that Dallas is obviously getting insane pressure every week. They're mm-hmm. just hammering the fucking quarterback and Stafford hasn't been doing well when teams are getting pressure. Yeah, I I think McVay is aware that he needs to just run plays away from Parsons. Uh-huh. And I think that'll be their game plan. Um, We've seen Higby. I, I, I keep going back and forth like each week because I texted you before the game. I'm like, I don't know if he's going to block or just get a bunch of short catches. He got a bunch of short catches. So, like, as long as their line sucks and pressure is being gotten against them, it's probably going to be Higby over A-Rob. And obviously, you know, Cup is Cup and does what Cup does. Um, I do love the, both the kickers in this one. I'm big on yeah, the kicker game that's fair. here. 
My uh, my only strong lean on any player in particular is Gallup, actually. Um, obviously, CDCD, he's going to do his thing. But Michael Gallup, let me look at his snap count last week. He played, I think, a fair chunk of snaps. Um, let's see, 64% in his first game back. So I expected to ramp that up more um, this week. And looking at who um, Dallas has been getting, or sorry, the Rams have been getting beaten by, he kind of profiles in that. Let me... Let me pull up my notes here on it. Um, <laughs> so out wide, like receivers on the outside have been beating the Rams pretty consistently. I'll pull up who all it is too, so I can give, give you the lowdown on it. So we've had um, Diggs and Davis. We had London. We had Hollywood. Um, we had you know Debo, of course. The Debo's Debo. Um, so right. yeah, we've seen like you know guys on the outside consistently beating them. And a lot of it has been speed, like Diggs is fast. London's big and fast. Hollywood's fast. Debo's fast. We know we know Gallup's fast too, so it's not just a name. Um Right. Yeah, I, I think he makes a ton of sense here, um, as the outside guy to continue beating the Rams. Because like it's been every week someone's been kind of dominating them on the outside. Oh, it's tough because I know that McVeigh is a way better head coach than McCarthy. Uh, yeah, it's tough. I'm torn. But I just, the matchup seems really rough to me. The Rams O-line, it's really beat up. Their center yeah. might not play. Their guards might not play, both of them. Uh, and their tackles haven't had great years as well. Dallas does get a lot of pressure on the outside as opposed to the inside. So that does help for them. Um, I did want to mention Allen Robinson because I've been watching what's going on with that. And I, I have a pretty like good take I think on what's happening more or less they're using Allen Robinson just ineffectively right now because of their O-line's inability to keep yeah. Stafford up <laughs> his routes are taking a full three seconds to develop so McVay needs to find a way to get him more involved because basically what's happening is by the time Allen Robinson is out of his route Stafford is would have already been sacked. So he has to get it out more quickly. And that's why it's just going to cup a lot. So if they can, and I trust McVay to do this. So I'm not like, I think you could buy low on a Rob right now. I, I think once they figure out how to use a Rob in a way that like works with <laughs> an O line that can't protect for more than three seconds, he will be good, but it's, it's uh, you know it's a tough ask. He's not yeah. like a twitchy wide out. He's he's taller. He's like a mm -hmm. big slot. Yeah, because we were ex that's why we were excited about the like, potential Stafford. Like we're like oh someone who will finally like throw to him when he's you know got these what for him are more seventy thirty balls and it is is okay throwing into tight windows kind of thing. And you know he's a, he's a better separator than Galladay, but you know he's not getting cup open. But anyway. Yeah, McVeigh, I can't find the quote, but I'm pretty sure like I saw something about him saying like it's not Allen Robinson's fault that Allen Robinson isn't doing a ton right now. Yeah, no, it's it's the offensive uh scheme. It's mm -hmm. just not it's not, you know, viable yeah, with what they're trying to do with him. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets one or two over on Trayvon Diggs here, but um I'm looking more at next week against the Panthers as like a raw week. But again, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if like they figure out some stuff this game because Whenever, a, whenever uh, McVeigh has been pressed on a number two receiver and it's been squeaky wheel, 
it's always worked out like woods and then odell i'm like i don't want to go full narrative street but could be yeah you would be ahead of the game if you call it this week and it works out but it also might not work out this week yeah it, it might take half the season to figure out how to use him correctly so it is a warning, but the upside, I think, is still there. And I will say, I am okay with Dallas' defense here just because of the upside they have. And they've actually not allowed – they haven't allowed anyone to hit 20 points yet this year. Yeah. I think the Rams might break that, but, I mean – The Rams have beaten Dallas, I think, pretty regularly the past few years. Yeah. I, I'm expecting, like, a 21-24, which is why I said, like, over by, like, one, maybe two, but <laughs> barely ever. Yeah. Um, the next game, though, I'm pretty interested in a defense with Philly going to Arizona. I think we both have some interest in Philly's defense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where I think we're kind of on the same boat of Philly gets super duper ahead. Arizona has to pass. They're passing so much that even though Kyler can be slippery, like the pass volume is going to lead to defensive, you know, like the DST upside with sacks or interceptions and stuff like that. Yeah. It's the Cardinals are in a really bad spot right now. They need Hopkins back so bad. They need Hopkins back <laughs> immediately. They're really beat up. They've got injuries all over the place. They just traded. No, they cut Andy Isabella for so they could sign Billy Price. Um, which if you're signing Billy Price, you're you're in a bad spot <laughs> with your line. And this is a trench mismatch in hell for for Kyler. Yeah, I was looking through it, and the Cardinals are also getting, like, no pressure, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> I got, like, Philly should be uh, pre- pretty fine. Um, it's not bad. Um, like, it's not, like, too bad in Arizona's favor. Like, you know, they're getting some, and, you know, Hurts' propensity to extend plays, like, you know, ups their pressure allowed. But I think, th- I think that is why it's kind of skewed. Like, I think they'll have no issue at all. Uh, passing so yeah that's kind of where i'm at i don't mm-hmm. see them pressuring hurts all that well like they might flush him out of the pocket but i don't know what are they gonna do like yeah, yeah. What's, what's gonna happen <laughs> kyler could get scurries so i think he's still fantasy viable though yeah my my only hesitation or like acknowledgement of the downside on the philly defense was like if we get a full game of good kyler they could get you nothing right <laughs> kyler's hard to sack but if you've got, like, you know, that's that's the tough part is with D-linemen trying to chase him, if you don't get right to him, like, we literally saw him, like, you know, butter away from Max Crosby. That's the best way I can put it, like, <laughs> somehow. And so Philly doesn't have, like, we've talked about this, like, their linebacking group is not their strength. So, like, you want linebackers or safeties blitzing him and tackling him so they can actually chase him down. Or, like, that or you need your D-linemen, like, instantly getting to him. Right. Which I do think they they kind of crush the Cardinals O-line, but mm-hmm. I think Murray will will kind of scurry around back there and, you know, not get sacked a whole lot. What I'm worried about is what you were saying earlier, is just Kyler throwing picks. Because mm-hmm. if the Philly defense starts smelling blood and starts getting aggressive and they're pressuring the shit out of Kyler, he has been known to throw picks, and there's a lot of good corners in Philly that are going to be yeah. waiting on that. Yeah, it, it could be a high turnover situation, which I'm 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 torn on the total and the spread here a bit, um, just because you know like when you've got a, 
they've got enough talent. And like Rondale's back too. I think that could that that might be a huge factor is Rondale like being back and having that screen speed threat to slow down Philly's rush and everything. Um, and I do like Ertz. He's been extremely consistent this year. He's been like pretty awesome actually. And it's a revenge game. Um, it's a revenge game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of talk about Arizona being bad against tight ends. I do want to throw out that um, tight ends, very context-based. Arizona has faced Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller and Tyler Higbee. So, of course, they're going to look terrible against tight ends. Um, (laughs) It is skewed. So, keep that in mind. However, like, Goddard's pretty good. So, like, I I do want to see if this trend continues. But, uh, I mean, they're they're going to be able to do what they want. So, I don't think think the potential – tight end weakness whether it is existed or not or just matchup induced will matter that much yeah i would agree i think it's more of just Ertz has been involved and likewise with goddard like goddard's just been involved in the passing game so yeah and they don't have to block nearly as much yeah the o-line's been elite so he can just run routes yeah (laughs) so but hollywood should get volume too it's for what's worth he's been getting a ton of pass volume so that's been nice at least um sunday night game though since he got Baltimore, this one's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one. I'm extremely torn on all of it. Um, yeah. I see you've got Cincy. I do for now because the Bengals absolutely shredded the Ravens last year. They put up 41 points both times. However, Baltimore is healthier now than they were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the second game. I think their first matchup, they still had some guys, but by the time they, they played got... them the second time around, it was it was really beat up. I just yeah. think the Bengals look like they're kind of starting to click, and if that's the case, then I think I have to take them. Yeah, Baltimore's defense has been pretty rough and like this this is this is the chase game, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> this is the chase game and by extension Burrow. Um I'm very curious how Baltimore attacks this game. Like, they've the fact that they've like they're they're two and two and they've only trailed for 14 seconds this season is is a kind of hilarious stat that shows like they they almost I don't want to say should be four zero but they very easily could be four zero and we could talk we could be talking about the Ravens as like an elite team but because they blew those games you know. They're only two and two, and right. so I. It's it's been a weird situation where they in the, in the Dolphins game they got way too aggressive on defense in the second half and paid the price on the speed receivers, and then against Buffalo they just didn't slash couldn't run the second half and it went to shit. I'm like, I guess they may have had Dobbins on like a pitch count. I don't know, but. They were doing what they wanted the first half, and then it just went to poopy. So, I yeah, we, we don't have much context for how Dobbins would do against the Bengals because he didn't yeah. play them once last year. So yeah, I I he should stay involved. Like with Gus out, the running backs behind him are like Justice Hill and Mike Davis. So <laughs> Justice Hill has been okay this year, but it's he's still Justice Hill. Dob or. Dobbins got half the snaps last week. I expect that to jump up. Um, like I'll, I'll probably get to like sixty percent. So, and he got what was it? He got four catches and thirteen rushes. That's that's pretty good. And if you know he he could definitely get get you twenty touches this week. You know both rushing and receiving. So right. 
I'm expecting him to be a rock for this team. The big thing is Bateman. Um, he's been he's iffy with a with a foot issue, so he has not practiced yet. So if he's out, um, that would suck. I would expect more Dobbins rushing and receiving. But Devin Duvernay has been pretty good this year. Yeah, he's starting to develop, which is nice, and get a little bit of a rapport there with Lamar. Yeah, they they really needed someone else to step up, so it's good that he has. He's he's got 172 receiving yards on the year, which is pretty solid. So yeah. he's been super efficient, but so was Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just Greg Roman fucking blew that game last week. Can I just yeah, say yeah. that? Like, yeah. his play calling turned into this ultra-conservative bullshit in the second half, and they let Buffalo back in the game. And, like, it, it's so brain-dead. You go to super-conservative offense and keep getting three and outs, all of a sudden your defense has to be out there for the entire second half of the game, and they get fucking exhausted. Yeah. So stupid. So, I don't know, maybe it'll help that since he is competitive – like maybe that's worse for for Cincy to be competitive because <laughs> they they need the Ravens to you know take their foot off the gas first so they can just blow games. Yeah, the Ravens also had an unfortunate situation at the end of the game last week, um, where like, I, so I don't have an issue with them going for the touchdown there instead of the field goal, but the issue was that it ended up in a pick and that Buffalo got out to the the tw- whatever the twenty twenty five or whatever I forget what it is on. Yeah touchbacks that aren't kickoffs but anyway it gave buffalo like extra yardage versus being stuck at their one and so that plan backfired because of that um i have no clue if they took the field goal what would have happened but i know that the result of what did happen was unfortunate giving buffalo extra space to work with right like that that's the one way that plan really backfires is it is a pick that brings them out from the end zone yeah i think uh hindsight's 2020 i don't knock him for going for it but i do knock roman for just absolutely handing the game <laughs> away yeah i i i hope they figure it out i got we we've we've been critical of roman at times and i think lamar has okay obviously like greg roman his offenses make sense for quarterbacks that are really mobile but i think lamar has surpassed that threshold of like needing the greg roman offense in a sense he is like we, we talked about him just evolving hitting final form all that jazz right so i i wouldn't be shocked if they move on from greg roman if they keep like i, I say if they i assume that they'll give lamar his money and if they do i wouldn't be shocked if they moved on from greg roman in the offseason but i don't think they would in the middle of the year there'd be no reason to in the middle of the year no they won't in the middle of the year unless it's really bad mm-hmm um but for this game it's making me take the Bengals. yeah i where where bateman might be out and i can't identify anything specific for baltimore like player matchup wise i may end up taking cincy but i've got time to ruminate on this one. Oh yeah but lastly monday night you've got the actually at the highest total game of the week at a 51 <laughs> total with uh vegas at kansas city Taking Kansas City in the over, and listen, I'm a realistic man. Uh, I know that Kansas City minus seven is pretty fair, and they may cover it because they have just kind of owned the Raiders entirely over the last, like, several years, <laughs> and especially in the Mahomes era. I put uh, that 
if you're gonna pick the Raiders to cover, it's because you think they win. Kansas City is gonna cover. Like if Kansas City wins, they're gonna win by seven. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if the Raiders win, it'll probably be like a three po- four point win. But there, I do not see a Kansas City winning by less than seven situation unless the Raiders win. Does that make sense? That's very fair. Yeah, like <laughs> I I looking at what Kansas City has done at some games this year and against the Bucks last week. And then looking at the defense that the Raiders have put out on the field this year, Kansas City should have absolutely no issue doing whatever they want. Uh, (laughs) Whether that be passing or Clyde or Kelsey. Kelsey just fucking owns the Raiders. Yeah. So that's, you know, a gimme there. But, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Clyde gets going to, like, for some reason, this just seems like a McKinnon touchdown game. I don't know, like some random bullshit like that. They don't have uh, Demarcus Robinson to get deep on them, so I'm curious if it's going to be like Nicole or MVS getting deep on them this time in his place. Um, yeah, it's it's I, I I do think we might see Waller get more involved. Um, they they they're gonna need him, so like they gotta fucking figure it out. Like they got Jacobs involved in the past game last week. They ran a lot last week. They they did what I was calling for in like th- actually throwing to him and not put in their O line in shitty situations because their O line isn't that good. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if they'll have that benefit this week. So I'm hoping it's a really awesome game with a lot of scoring. Yeah, I hope so too. I really hope the Raiders can take what they did last week and propel it forward. And they're on the right track, I think. So they just got to figure out how to get Waller involved a little more because they said they got they got their other shitty running backs off the field for the most. I'm uh I'm predicting a, a running back game for the Chiefs. Like I think it's uh I think McKinnon, Pacheco, and Clyde kind of do their thing this week. Like last week, it's kind of <laughs> like my tight end thing last week. Yeah, ah. but, but now it's on the running backs. But okay, it kind of makes sense in a way with Andy Reid to like have him find the matchup and exploit it just to the nth degree of like every guy at this position is going to do their thing. Right. (laughs) Um, But with that being said, I think you could reasonably start just about anyone in this game with with upside. Yeah. And the thing with Jacobs is even if they get behind, like Kansas city has been pushing running backs to like PPR upside games just because the game scripts have been necessitating it. So if they continue to throw to Jacobs again, that is good for him. I worry if they get too behind, Big Daniels might revert to Brandon Bolden, but I hope. Ugh. Well, thankfully Renfro will be back. Oh, that's good. I, I hadn't checked on their on their news yet. I was about to pull that up. He is so. a full participant. Woo! Um, okay, that's actually that. fucking huge. Yeah. Because listen, Matt Collins, n- nice run, but Renfro's better. <laughs> yeah. So come on. Yeah. And we got to see Renfro get involved, man. Because. uh I, how much I'm trying to see how much the Raiders have run two tight end. They have done. Uh, it's gone week by week. They last week they didn't run any. I don't was, was Murrow out? Maybe he was out. The previous weeks they'd done two tight end sets, but um, looks like Murrow was out last week. Yeah, he was out last week, so they didn't do their two tight end. But I can see them doing some two tight end because Kansas City's front seven and, and Chris Jones has been amazing. Um, their front seven has been kind of mean. So. Oh yeah. It, it gives me a little worry for Carr, but I still think they get some stuff done. 
yeah, I really hope they, again, take what they did last week, go, hey, using our good players worked. <laughs> yeah. Dude, did you, the fucking Amik Robertson uh, thing, that, that tweet that was in the group me about the one guy, um, like, doing his, like, commentary on it was fucking hilarious, like, him and Jerry Judy. Did you watch that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was hilarious. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> This is origin story. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a tough week. Like like we said, there were like seven I was not very sure on. And there's always some we think we're sure on that don't go our way. So tough fucking week. Tough week. <laughs> yeah, I think this week's going to be really uh, a, a bad gambling week in general. Like, I, <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I'm not saying avoid the, the favorites, but definitely... Don't listen to any media and make your own informed decisions this week. Go with your gut. Yeah, this is one where. So when I when I play daily fantasy, I like to I like to get. I'll say sort of contrarian. Like I don't like playing all the super chalk. When the super chalk goes off, I lose. It happens. But this is a week where like there's always some chalk that makes sense. Like Camara is gonna be popular. Like that makes sense. Like you can play some of it. But on games where you like you have like you know specific leans or like the matchups stand out like we're talking about like garrett wilson or like you know trying to figure out what new england running back it is and like david Cook. like there's some things where like you just take the matchup and like the guy is like five percent owned but the matchup's elite but the pricing of the position makes it so that he's not very used like yeah that's that's kind of how i like to do it um so and uh with that though you can find um, a lot of dfs articles on the site on our blog, all sorts of different breakdowns, whether it be, you know, talking about line matchups, coaching, DFS, whatever, on uh, mozzyandthemuscle.com. Um, I was looking at our back end. We're, start, we're starting to get some some decent some decent traffic. So There we go. On the site. Uh, people like reading about football. So, Hell yeah. I like uh, reading about football. Yeah, who doesn't like reading about football, you know? Nice, nice poop read. I, I try to make them... Sometimes they get a little long just because I'm wordy and like to be detailed, but... I, I try to keep things poop read length. Uh, that's that's a good thing to aim for because yeah. that's where a lot of reading is done. Yeah, that's like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I do a lot of football reading is on the toilet. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, thank you for tuning in. Like I said, you can find us online at mozzieandthemuscle.com, on Twitter at mozzieandmuscle, and on TikTok at mozzieandmuscle. And we will see you all next week. <laughs>